What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Mint City Soccer Show live on Twitter. Um, I am one of your hosts, David Gussler, and I'm here with the always amazing Matt Swift. Matt, how are you tonight? I'm, I'm good, David. How are you tonight? I, I'm great, man. It's, it's Wednesday, halfway through the work week. That much closer to having an actual live game back at Bank of America Stadium. Um, So only three more days to go for that. Um, Me and my wife actually went and looked at a dog yesterday. So super excited about the potential of getting that little guy in our house. Um, So feeling feeling pretty good, man. It's been a good week so far. How's your week been? Uh, Not not bad. Yeah. Ready. Ready for Saturday and have some uh, have something to cheer about. Nice. Well, I know you won't be there live in the stands to take your copious notes this week. Um, so everyone make sure you wish Matt Swift a congratulations as his little one turns one on Saturday. So he will be missing out on the game. But if you send him a DM or a message on Slack, be sure to celebrate that on Saturday. Um, but we're here to talk tonight. Um, we, you know, we've had some pretty, it's been I don't know. How would you say it? Like, it's been a pretty long two weeks almost, it feels like, or a week yeah. and a half. Um, we've had some recent news last week. We we went on Twitter Space Live last week and did an episode um, about, you know, Miguel Angel Ramirez being no longer the coach for Charlotte FC. Um, we, we gave our thoughts and opinions, spicy hot takes last week um, with Corey Ensko as a special co-host with us last week. Um, but since... Since then, you know, more more articles have come out, more th- news has come out since, uh, and the reason why potentially why Miguel is no longer the head coach for Charlotte FC. Um, but since then, we've actually had a press conference for the first time um, by some of the players uh, with the club. And so, Matt, I know, I think, what was it, Monday or Tuesday, Christian mm-hmm. Fuchs actually um, had a press conference for the first time since Miguel was no longer being the head coach. Because for those who don't know, last week, you know, a lot of players were on international break. Uh, the club took it an opportunity to allow the players to have, uh, I don't want to say like a vacation, but a mini break, whatever it was. Um, so a lot of players went out of town. I, I saw Guzman down in the Hollywood studios and, <laughs> you know, you know, all that stuff down in Florida, dressing up as Harry Potter on Instagram. But um, yeah, so a lot of players use it as vacation. So a lot of players just now came back um, to Charlotte this past week or past weekend and obviously wanted to get you know, their thoughts and opinions with Miguel being gone and who better to have that first press conference than the captain for Charlotte FC, uh, Christian Fuchs. And so, Matt, I mean, I, I from what I understand, you actually had some press credentials. You were watching it live mm-hmm. um, through Zoom. And I mean, I'd love to get your thoughts and opinions. What were some of your biggest takeaways um, from that press conference with Christian Fuchs about uh, Miguel no longer being the coach? Well, I think one, I, I, I just appreciated that you know, Christian was the one that went in front of the media to answer those, you know, really tough questions. I, I think people were looking for answers. They didn't get any from Zoran. Uh, you know, they gave him a hard time about that. Uh, for me, I I wish that Zoran just wouldn't have done the press conference at all. But I, I'm sure if he wouldn't have, people would have given him crap for that. But I, I think... If it were me, I would have just not had that and just let Christian and maybe some of the other players uh, have their say. Uh, and it was very telling. 
uh, in this press conference. Um, you know, there's a couple of themes, um, things that we've said on this show multiple times, uh, was a little, uh, verified by the captain. Um, but you know, I don't want to rehash everything. I think everybody is kind of worn out by it and, and ready to move on. But one of the things that really stood out, out to me was the, the training aspect and the fact that, you know, you have a, uh, a EPL champion veteran basically saying that the, the training is kind of a joke. Um, there's lacks intensity. Uh, they're not, you know, practicing certain things or, you know, we've said this before on the show, it seems like we're only practicing playing out of the back. And that's, that, that seems to be the, the case. Um, we're not working on finishing. We're not working on, uh, playing through the middle or, or anything like that. So that was, uh, it wasn't surprising, but it was, it was nice to hear someone else say it instead of us just thinking that was the, the case. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate him kind of like taking that on his on his shoulders and he wasn't afraid to a- answer questions. And I, I feel like even though he said some things that maybe didn't put Miguel in a in a good light, I think he was still very res- respectful uh, of everything. And that just goes to show you just the, the type of professional that he is. Yeah, I, I um, you know, the casual fan wasn't going to be able to watch that press conference live. Right. And I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. The um, I feel like Christian was able to articulate the reasons why a little bit better than Zoran, which I think you know it wasn't Zoran's job to come out and say, you know, this is the reasons why we're firing him potentially. I know some fans may disagree with that. Um, fans wanted to know the reasons why in the moment, um, but you know, I think when a English Premier League champion winner, um, captain of your team, comes out and says something, I think it carries some weight, right? Um, and one of the things like. You know, I, I think he was respectful. He, you know, he wasn't going to speculate or, or sit there and give his per- personal opinion on what's the next moves or because I know there were some questions on there. I went back and watched it and that um, they were, you know, hey, you know, who do you think is going to be the next coach permanently? Right. He, he's like, hey, that's not, that's not my job to make that decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all he knows now is that uh, Christian is now that, you know, the head coach for Charlotte FC. And that's what we're doing right now. And that's what we can control in the moment. He wasn't going to speculate. He wasn't going to put added pressure. He wasn't going to do anything like that. Um, and I think he showed up well. And I think he also showed a reason why he is the captain of the team right now and was able to kind of show up professionally within that space. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, the things that he talked about specifically uh, about training again, and I, I think people are going to probably disagree with me on this one, but uh, I am one of those people who thinks we have actually underperformed. Um, and we'll talk about our record and what's coming up for us later when we get into the to the match on Saturday. But I, I think a, a lack of fitness, I think a, a lack of training uh, when it comes to finishing has really kind of bitten us in the ass a little bit. Uh, I can point to a couple of games that we probably should have won or at least got a point out of. Uh, and we didn't because we either faltered uh, at, at the end or we gave up a goal very early. Um, so I, I think moving forward, you'll probably see a little more uh, intensity, different types of training. Uh, and I think it's going to be really beneficial, but we've got to, we've got to get going. We're going to talk about it later, but um, matches are coming fast and furious. And 
it's a long season, but we don't have that many games to go, and we need a lot of points to to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think um, you, you said it there, and I, I want to get your thought on it for a second. But like, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, a lot of the press, a lot of the media, kind of penciled Charlotte FC as being bottom of the table, fourteenth seed. Um, don't expect much. They felt like we had a lot of international roster spots, and it's been big, whatever, right? And then when you have the captain of the team say like, you know, five games and thir- five wins and thirteen games is kind of kind of shit and underperforms a little bit. Like, what does that mean to the casual fan? Like, is that putting added pressure to Christian as the interim coach, or like, how do you how do you take that now if you're a player for Charlotte FC, and how do you take that as a fan? Because I think a lot of casual fans would probably say like, hey, we're doing all right. Like, you know, we're middle of the table. Um, we're not the bottom of the, the league by any stretch of the means. But what does it mean to you when the, when the captain of the team says, hey, we've, we've kind of underperformed with only five five wins so far? Well, I, I think it says a lot because he knows the players. He knows what they're capable of and he knows what they're not capable of. Um, and, you know, I again, I think we have underperformed and I don't think we're doing record wise as good as as people think that we are, and maybe people had low expectations. Um, and, and apparently with Mar leaving, like a lot of people sided with him, like, yeah, we don't have the personnel. So you're basically saying you don't like the players that we have or the players that we have are not good enough. Uh, I disagree. I think we have the personnel. I think we're going to get more, um, personnel coming in. That's going to help us. Um, but I think we could do better. And I'm hoping with this new new shift, new coach, new training, that you'll see some of that. I you know I don't know how we'll do this Saturday because everything's kind of in transition, but I think long term this is going to be this is going to be good. Yeah, and and I mean I, I guess like if you're if you're Christian Latanzio, and that, did I say that right, Matt? Did I, did yeah. I pass the <laughs> test? Yes, <laughs> yes. I've been practicing that for the past five minutes in my head. Uh, but for those who aren't aware, Christian Latanzio is actually our, our interim head coach. Um, the team has come out and said like right now, like he's our guy for the rest of the season. We're not going to really be actively searching or looking to fill the spot in this moment. But when you're when your captain of your team comes out and says we've underperformed with five wins. Um, and, you know, we're middle of the table and we're underperforming. Do you think that adds almost like unwanted pressure on Christian? Or how do you feel like he responds to that? Um, being, you know, first time head coach, he's had experience, obviously, with Man City, um, assistant coaches, worked for NCYFC, et cetera. But this is his first head coaching job. And then he's going to come out to an opponent that we just recently lost to in the U.S. Open Cup at Bank of America Stadium with players on an international break, such as Camille and Carol, and maybe I'm jumping ahead with New York Red Bulls and we'll get into that in just a second. But do you think that press conference adds um, stress or pressure on Christian? Or do you think it kind of gives him a vote of confidence that, Hey, we're underperforming. And I know you can take us to that next level. Uh, That's a really, really good question. I kind of go back and forth on that. So, you know, the team set a kind of a, a stretch goal to not only get into the playoffs, but to host a playoff game. I think that was a little ambitious, uh, but it's good to have stretch goals. Um, with those comments, though, um, yeah, it adds a little bit of little bit of pressure. I, I think what people want to see is just progress. I think people can still be happy if they see some type of plan and see t- some type of uh, you know, like progress and things. Um, if we're scoring more, 
uh, if we're getting more chances, if we're playing better and just sometimes getting unlucky, I think people can forgive that. Um, but if we come out and it's the same old thing or we come out and, and play worse, uh, people are going to have a field day with it because there's a lot of Miguel fans out there. And I, I think some of them are probably waiting to see what's going to happen and, and jump on it if, if things turn sour. What else did you take away from that press conference? Anything else? I know you talk about fitness. Um, you know, how do you feel like the players are going to respond now with Miguel being gone and with Christian now being the head coach and looking at Red Bulls here in three days? How do you feel like the, the players respond from that? And we'll talk about the practice that they had here earlier mm-hmm. um, in the week. But how do you feel like they respond now? Well, I think it's I think it's actually good timing. Um, they're going to have a little bit of rest. Uh, sometimes you get that uh, new coach bounce. I think, and this is not a new coach coming in brand new. This is somebody that they're familiar with. And from what I'm hearing from our captain and from other players, they really like this coach. Uh, Brant Bronico um, specifically has been working with Latanzio over the past months, uh, refining his game. Everybody was giving Miguel credit for Brant. Like, oh, he didn't like Brant when he first came in, but look, he was starting him, and and look how well he's doing. Uh, actually, it's Latanzio. It's Latanzio's doing, why Brant is doing so well. Uh, Brant has been sitting and watching game film with him uh, and really working with him specifically to, um, you know, refine his game, and uh, Brant's been a huge surprise. So... I, and I think you're going to see some other players start getting some some minutes. We're going to talk about Anton Walks, of course. Uh, I said before, I think Ben Benner is going to uh, benefit from this. So I think players are going to be really, really happy to get going. And, and from the training, from what we understand, it was uh, very intense, but in a good way. And I think, I think this is going to be kind of like a fresh start for some folks. Cool. I mean, so anything else from the press conference? That was a big takeaway for you. Um, I know, uh, I think Christian actually has, uh, Latanzio has his first press conference, I believe tomorrow. Mm, that's right. Um, for some for some media folks. So be sure to be on the lookout for Matt Swift's tweets, um, mm. potentially sharing some comments or things that he liked from that press conference tomorrow. But anything else from that press conference before we start kind of diving into um, our rematch against Red Bulls? Not really, because a lot of it was about Miguel, and I don't want—I don't want to rehash that over and over again. Nope. So, yeah, we can we can move on to to something else. Yeah, and I think I think it's you know I don't want to say put the final nail in the coffin for Miguel, but like you know I I think what's said has been said. There's been leaks coming, continuing to come out. Like what, almost eight nine days from now, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jorge from Top Ben has wrote an article that came out and kind of gave some more credence of what's come out. Um, I know like 90 minutes came out and, and wrote a different article. Um, and, you know, I, I think folks can finally put, put it to bed now. Uh, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's done and over with. Um, I don't think Miguel's going to come out and have this press conference to say, this is everything that's wrong X, Y, Z at this point in time. Um, I think it's done and over with. And I think the best thing we can do now as fans and supporters and, you know, even the players, I'm sure they're already doing it, is looking ahead and supporting Christian uh, Latanzio as our new head coach and looking ahead to our next game against Red Bulls. So yeah. so on that note, perfect segue, right? And just looking ahead to um, our match on Saturday. So um, back in Bank of America Stadium for the first time in a little while, 
Um, you know, we had our, our Open Cup match against New York Red Bulls fairly recently. We had our away game on Memorial Day weekend against Seattle. Um, and, you know, it, international break had a little break there. So it's been a few weeks since we've been in Bank of America Stadium, Matt, to be able to cheer on the team and be able to see them play. Um, let's talk about Red Bulls. So, um, like I said earlier, they, they recently played Red Bulls and lost to them in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, three to one there in Jersey. Um, I don't think it was a very pretty game, to be honest with you, especially with Charlotte FC um, almost starting their starting 11 in that match uh, for the most part. So it wasn't a very pretty game. But let's, let's look ahead and see what Charlotte has to do. So um, Christian Latanzio first matches the head coach for Charlotte FC. What do you expect him to do? Do you expect him to change the lineup a lot? Do you think he changes the system? Um, if you're him, what do you do with your very first match against Red Bulls and Bank of America? Well, because we have some players that's going to be out because of inter- international break and, and injury, so no uh, Yozwiak, no Swiderski, no McCoon, no Franco, and looks like Fuchs is going to be out with an injury. Um so the lineup kind of picks itself a little bit. I don't I don't think there'll be too much change. I think probably in the back you'll see Lindsay, Carujo. I do think you'll see Walks and then Mora. Mm. Uh in the midfield I'm I'm having a harder time figuring out what he's what he's gonna do. Um, I mean the easiest thing to say would be what what's been going on is Alcivar uh Bronico and Bender. Um, and then up top, you'll probably see Shinashiki, Rios, and maybe Vargas. Um, but, you know, Gaines and even uh, Hagar has been uh, training again and uh, playing out on the wing. So there might be a surprise there. I don't know. But I, I think what, what we need to do is one that we're going to have to beat the press uh, and we have to be physical, uh, and we have to find ways to play through the middle more. Uh, this means our our midfielders have to get in better pockets of space to receive the ball, and they have to look and be willing to like actually dribble forward or pass players to open things up. They're just going to have to. Um, I, I still think there's there'll be opportunities to play the ball out of the back and over the top that could uh, alleviate some of that pressure and that press. But that can't be the main form of offense, and we saw that in the Open Cup. We we just we didn't have anything going through the middle, and that's kind of been our our issue all season long. Is that we don't have anything through the middle, uh, and Red Bulls is, they're a very good team. They're a very physical team. Uh, they had been struggling scoring. Uh, up into the Open Cup, and I think now they've kind of got their groove in that regard. Uh, also, too, Lewis Morgan is going to be playing for them this time. He did not play against us at the Open Cup, and he's very, very good. So uh, I'm a little, I'm a little worried because we don't have Swiderski, we don't have Yozwiak, um, and you know we don't have Fuchs, so we are missing some folks. But uh, I, I think Latanzio needs to really work on the middle and figuring out how to beat how to beat that press but your players have to get in good pockets of space and i think that's where that fitness comes into so do you, you just to make sure i confirm that so you, you still think we run that 433 with latanzio 
Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think you changed that. I think I said last episode. I mean, you you have the personnel that you have, and the personnel that you have, I think, it works with that four three three. So I think you stick with that for sure. Yeah, um, and just listening to you talk there, I, I think the lineup would be pretty much the same as what you said. I honestly think Gaines probably starts there on, on right wing over um, Kerwin, but like you know, it, it is it is what it is. You can probably interchange those guys. I think the biggest question mark right now is going to be that midfield because, like you said, that back line is going to kind of select it itself with Fuchs potentially being out with an injury. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet or not. Um, you know, with McCoon being out in international duties. Um, you don't really have much other than Jan and walks at that point. Right. Yep. So I think, you know, Guzman's going to, uh, Guzman's going to play. You've got walks or Jan. And I think walks will be the, the one that be able to get minutes back then at backline. So it's kind of yeah, picking sure. itself. Yep. Um, but that middle field is going to be the question mark. Do you think, and I, I know is you being an Arsenal supporter and <laughs> just loving how Arsenal played about two years ago. Do you think that um, Latanzio makes them be a little bit more direct do you think you're going to see less passes going back to uh, Kalina and playing out of uh, the center backs? Or do you feel like they're going to be a little bit more direct, a little bit more aggressive there in that midfield of those wings? They're going to they're gonna have to be more aggressive in the middle if we're going to have a, have a good season. I, I think we've all seen and, and grown tired of possession ball where we don't do anything with it. I don't know how many times I've said that on, on this show. Um, but the, the, the point is... I don't know if it was direction. I don't know this for sure. It seemed like it was, but like someone like Brant getting the ball and his first thought is sideways or backwards. And that, that kind of drives me crazy. He's going to have to get the ball or maybe or Sergio or whoever's playing in that number six role. You've got to turn and you got to face and you might have to dribble past somebody, but you've got to get into space and then use your number eights, which is going to be, you know, like your Alcivar and Bender, but they have to move to get in good space good spaces were very stagnant in the middle. Uh, Brant does a lot of work. Um, and, you know, people have talked about Alcivar's work rate and Franco's work rate and running around is great, but you got to get in good spaces and in dangerous spaces too. You can't just be open and get the ball. Okay, great. You're not doing anything with it. And I think that's kind of been the case all year. So you mentioned earlier, Brant spending a lot of time with Latanzio, right? And like bettering his game and refining it. Why do you you mentioned it earlier? Why do you think that this change in leadership is going to benefit a player like Ben Bender, um, who you know a lot of fans thought started out really fast, surprised mm-hmm. a lot of folks earlier on in the season, and has kind of tapered off recently, and has, has not been that quote unquote wow factor or creating chances. I know um, he had that goal against Seattle, you know, a good cleanup goal there off of that free kick from Alcivar, um, but like, why do you feel like this change is going to be able to be a benefit for him as a, such a young player? So it's it's my understanding, and I've I've gotten this from multiple people, that Ben was given the direction that if you do not have numbers forward, you are to stop and you are to p- play the ball sideways or backwards. You are not to go forward. I, I think he's the type of player that needs a little bit of leeway. Uh, he's young. He needs to be aggressive and take people on. I like to see him get forward more, and I think he's going to have more of a license to do that. And I, that's why I said last episode that I think he's going to be uh, one of the the biggest. Uh, he's going to benefit more than than a lot of the other players uh, when it comes to this new coach and possibly this new style. 
And, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like, you know, early on in the season, Ben may have just been going off instinct a little bit and what he's played recently in college, attacking more, just like, hey, I've got the ball. I'm going to press. I'm going to push and do what I need to do. Right. And as the season's gone on, it sounds like he may have gotten some coaching, um, good or bad and different, however you want to take it. And maybe he's gotten in his own head. Maybe he got in his own, you know, self-confidence, be like, I'm not going to do this because it's what I'm being coached to do. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's made him more stagnant, right? And so maybe maybe Latanzio is going to be able to help him be more himself, be a little bit more aggressive. But, I mean, frankly, and this is just me and my personal opinion, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes off the bench, at least this game, and just trying to change up that midfield a little bit um, and maybe seeing Sergio in his place instead. But maybe Sergio and, you know, Alcivar are almost the same type of player. So who knows? We'll see. Um, well, yeah, but mean, yeah, and that's one of the problems with this team, too, is that we have a lot of players that kind of do the same thing. So I'm I'm hoping this next uh, designated player that comes in will be more of that true attacking midfielder. We have a number ten, not a big fan of him. We have Alcivar who's been okay, but again, that's not his natural role is to be an attacking midfielder. So we're I think we're still missing that that piece. So we're gonna have to get a little creative, or someone's gonna have to step up and and actually play that role. I know. Um... Friend of the show, occasional guest, co-host, however you want to say it, Von Pullman has been a pretty big fan of TT Ortiz. Um, has been on record on the show, kind of just sharing, like you know, he's he could be potentially one of our better players if he got into a role or a system within that space. Um, how do you feel with Christian being the coach now? Like, do you think this helps TT find a better role or at home with the club, or do you feel like it's just going to potentially see less minutes now that Miguel is no longer the head coach? Um, I mean, TT wasn't getting a ton of minutes under Miguel. Um, I think it's work rate. I think it's probably training. I think I've made, you know, made no bones about it. Like, I think he's lazy. I think he's overweight. I don't think he's very, doesn't seem very interested. Um, you know, Vaughn sees something else that, that I have not, um, but maybe this again. This is a new start, and maybe the training is going to be a little more intense. He could be a little, a uh, little more fit. It could really benefit him. I would love to see him be that attacking midfielder, and I really would love for him to turn things around. Uh, if you're going to wear that number ten, you've got to be good. Uh, and I just, but I, I just haven't seen it. Yeah. So you know, assuming positive intent. Hopefully, it's a fresh start for TT. Um, and maybe Latanzio can work his magic with TT. And, and I mean, God forbid, if we have that number 10, that's all of a sudden just sparks halfway through the season. It'd be amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, so awesome, man. Like, so you share, you share what your project predictions are going to be and what you think your starting lineup is going to be for, um, for Charlotte. So like, what's going to be the key to the game? I know you hinted a little bit on that midfield, a little bit impress a little bit more, but like, what's going to be the key to the game for Charlotte to be able to walk away with at least a draw or a win this time around against New York Red Bulls? We got. We have to finish our chances, our half chances. Um, I don't know how many we're gonna have. I think this is gonna be a pretty, like I said, pretty physical game. I think we're gonna be, we're gonna have to be disciplined uh, and not pick up any red cards. But I think just creating and finishing our chances is is what's gonna make or break us in in this game. And it, I mean, if you look back at the last game in the U.S. Open Cup, I mean, I feel like we did have some chances early on. Mackenzie Gaines yeah. had some chances there. Um, yeah, his speed yeah. is pretty dangerous. So. Yeah, Yoz, Yozwiak missed a, missed a header. I mean, like again, you, you, if you're not 
we haven't been creating a lot, but when you when when you do, you have to finish them. Yeah, I, I will say that's one thing. I, I'm I don't want to say I'm, I'm going to put pressure on Latanzio or not, but like I really want him to be able to help create the players to give them the capacity and the space to create chances and goals. Because if you look back at our goals that we scored throughout the entire season, can you can you name one or two goals that were based off of creation of play, great passes? and building off of that something, right? I feel like the majority of our goals have come from either at corners, free kicks, second chances, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. There hasn't really ever been this huge buildup or this huge attacking presence within the field so far. And that's one thing I really want to be able to see Christian be able to bring is maybe, you know, keep the same lineup, keep the same players, but unlock them to be able to create those chances potentially or give more support to you know, the strikers up top to be able to give them those chances to create, because I really do feel um, we, that's been the thing that's been lacking so far is our expected goals and really um, those chances that we've been creating on, on the field throughout each match. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about um, the standings and how maybe we're not doing as great as everybody thinks we are? <laughs> What do you mean, Matt? Like I'm, I'm gonna be the 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 glass half full guy here, and you can be the the glass half empty here with this. But yeah, so I mean, if you're looking at the table, um, Charlotte FC is technically right now eighth in the East, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got 16 points, 14 matches played so far. We're five, one, and eight, right? Yep. Um, against just say for example, like New York Red Bulls, they're fourth right now on the table. Um, 14 games played, they're six, five, and three. Yep. Right. Um, and if you look at the middle of the table there, really just look at eight. Let's look at the sixth seed and down. So you've got sure. Cincinnati right now that's in six with 19 points. Inter-Miami is seventh with 18. We're at eighth with 16. Columbus is at ninth with 16. Atlanta's 10th with 16. New England is 11th with 16. 12th is Toronto with 15. Mm-hmm. DC is 14 or 13th with 14 points. And then Chicago is finally 14th, the bottom of the table with 11 points. Yeah. So there's really this really razor thin margin from being middle of the table in the East mm-hmm. to being wooden spoon bottom of the table in the East. Yeah. So like, like how big is this game for them to be able to compete and walk away with points? Because it could be very easily, you know, all of a sudden we don't get any points this weekend and say Columbus and Atlanta and New England all of a sudden score and, and get three points potentially. And we go from eighth middle of the table to twelfth, thirteenth, or fourteenth. So how important is this game? Yeah, I, I keep saying it's a it's a must win, and people keep making fun of me. But so here's the deal: so us, you said it, us, Columbus, Atlanta, and New England, all sit on sixteen points. The only problem is we sit on sixteen points, having played one more game. Uh, so again, people keep saying I'm ridiculous for saying it's a must win, but if, if we lose and the teams below us, or even a few of the teams below us take care of business, we could seriously find ourselves second bottom, uh, uh, of the league in this conference. Um, our schedule coming up is pretty tough. Uh, after Saturday, we travel to Columbus who I will say have lost a few home matches this season. Um, but that's never easy going away and trying to win. Uh, and then we travel to Montreal, uh, and that's going to be tough. Uh, and then we finish up the month of June with a very, very good Austin FC side at Make of America Stadium. So um, I I think you have to, and we keep saying it, you have to win your home games. Uh, you're 
we're probably going to need around 45 points to 47 points around there. So we need 30 points. We have 10 home games left. There's your 30 points. Now, will we win every single home game? I don't know. That's pretty tough. So uh, we're going to have to get some points on the road if we want to have a chance. But, I mean, I feel like right now we we have to win this game or we're literally going to start losing distance. I mean, the goal is to get into the playoffs, right? So you only need to be in the top seven. But if you look at Red Bulls right now, they have 23 points, right? So we're already seven points behind fourth. If we lose, now we're 10 points. Uh, So that's like, you know, three wins and a draw away from even getting back even with them. So uh, I'm scared that we're going to start losing ground. We're three points behind Cincinnati. Uh, you know, we're only one point behind Miami, uh, Miami, but, um, I'm, I'm worried about Columbus and Atlanta and new England starting to surge, uh, and Toronto as horrible as Toronto is, they're only one point back from us. Right. So, um, and the same with, same with DC. I mean, they've only played 13 games, but they're two points back for us. So I, I am one of those people that I love the team. I I have appreciated what we have done so far this year, but I think we could have done better. And I don't, I think people are being deceived by, oh, we're in eighth. We're only one spot out of the playoffs. Well, and I, I think that goes back to a couple of points. Well, I think it goes back to Christian Fuchs's press conference earlier about underperforming, right? Because we should be a little bit higher than we are. We yeah. have the roster. We have the talent. You can, you can say spend rate, whatever, like spend rate in MLS doesn't always equal success. Look at inner Miami last year being the most (laughs) costly roster in MLS and look how they finished. Right. Exactly. Um, The other thing that's, I mean, we, we talked about in the podcast back in May and even early April or late April, like how important May was going to be of Vancouver, Montreal, Seattle, like those, that stretch of games, like we needed to win those games at home. Yep. Right. And to be able to just, you know, we, we lost to Montreal, eked out to Vancouver, right? And then losing to Seattle. And like, realistically, we should have minimally had a point against Seattle. Mm-hmm. Wish we would have had three points there at the end of that game. Because it would have been, God, it would have been so nice and so much better to have those points. But like, I'm with you, man. Like this month, we've got to walk away with points minimally at home. But realistically, we've got to walk away with wins against Austin, who's a pretty decent team in the West. Yeah. You got to beat, yeah. you got to beat new, new New York Red Bulls who shown that they can score against us and press that midfield with us against us. Right. Right. And I mean, it's Columbus is not a, not going to be an easy game. I don't think for us and talking about putting pressure on a brand new head coach. who's never coached before just took over the roster. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the full staff that he's had um, that Miguel had earlier on in the season. That's a lot of pressure for a first time head coach. Um, playing potentially in 30,000 plus fans in Bank of America stadium. Um, you know, I don't envy Christian there from that, that role, but it's super yeah. important for us to walk away at those points, especially this weekend. Like it, it's gotta be a must win. And I'm, I'm with you, man. Like if we walk away with zero points in, in June, we're, we're going to be in trouble. And, and I think that's when you start seeing the casual fans turn off because you fired your head coach, yeah. you have an interim head coach, and now you're at the bottom of the table in June. If you, if you walk away at zero points, um, no matter if, even if the players think they're underperforming, it is what it is at that point, there's, there's a problem there. 
Yeah, exactly. If if we have a if we have a bad month here, we start losing major ground. Like I said, from from fourth place, from fifth place, and even sixth place, um, seventh might be a toss up. But I, I will say, and we talked about this earlier, David. I, I will say the only caveat with Latanzio, again, he's not a new coach coming in, right? The players are familiar with him. He's not going to try to implement a whole new system or. A, they don't have to like get to know him. So that's kind of like the saving grace here, right? Uh, we're going to have some players rested. The only flip side of that is we're missing some folks this weekend. Uh, and that sucks. And it's not good timing. I think uh, Swiderski and Yozuyak will be back for the Columbus game. And hopefully Fuchs will be, you know, will return. But this is this is going to be interesting, and we're going to see what this team's made of, and we're going to see if they're going to rally around the new coach and hopefully put in a, a really inspired effort because I do really think we have to win this game. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you with it. So it's going to be a hot game. Hopefully New York is not used to the weather in the south. Um, artificial turf and Bank of America Stadium is going to be warm. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that helps us out a little bit there against this, against this team. So, um, let's talk about like score predictions and, and match prediction there, Matt. So like, what do you, what do you feel like the final score prediction is going to be against New York? I think two, one us is good. Two to one. So who scores in that scenario? Since, you know, since Carol and Camille is gone, um, on break, well, not break cause you know, they're playing for Poland, but, um, Who's going to be the scorers in this game? You know, I want to say, I'd like to say Rios, and I, I think we get a goal off of a set piece this time. Hmm. Hmm. So I I said the same thing. I had dinner with some folks earlier this morning or earlier this evening, and I said two to one as well. Um, and I said Daniel Rios is going to score potentially. Um, and then I'm going to say Alcivar scores. Um, so again, set piece, Alcivar has been the one that kind of take those from time to time. Um, so maybe we work some magic here and, you know, have a revenge game against New York Red Bulls. Um, do you think they take as many dives this game, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a bunch of punks, man. So, of course, they're going to take some dives and they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of pushing and shoving. Again, we need to be disciplined. Uh, I think Brant was probably a little lucky not to get a red card last time we played them. <laughs> Um, and I think he, he kind of rode that line very carefully. Uh, so we need to be careful, um, and just take care of business. Like I said, I think it's going to be a scrappy affair. Uh, we've got to win the second balls. And I, again, I think Rios will probably score a goal, like right in front of the six yard box, maybe a loose ball or something like that, but we've got to be aggressive, uh, and, and really go at him. Well, Matt, I will make sure since you're not going to be at the game this weekend, since you're celebrating a birthday, um, if, if Daniel Rio scores in that six-yard box, as you just predicted, I will make sure I take my shirt off just for you and celebrate in the supporter section with with uh, Trey and Jeff there with just for you. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll funnel your energy for you since you're going to be watching it from, from home. So, um, I mean, just so, so you know, let's look ahead a little bit. We talked about table and what Charlotte FC has to do early in this month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, potential transfer window opening up come summertime. I mean, if, if you're uh, Latanzio, if you're the club, is there anything else that you just really like if, if you wave your magic wand and say, like, this is the piece that would help us take us over the edge and make sure we make the playoffs um, this season? What's that piece that's missing or what would you go after potentially during this upcoming transfer window? 
Oh yeah, uh, attacking midfielder. I, I think we have too many midfielders that kind of play that same role. We have a lot of like center, like defensive mids. You know, kind of like even Alcivar, Franco, Sergio, Brandt. Uh, we need somebody that's a little more creative, uh, high work rate, who's going to move around the field again, getting get getting in good pockets of space, and being able to deliver a ball through the middle or out wide so your wingers can play a ball uh, into the middle. So I think we're just missing just that piece. If if we get that piece, who's the, who's the player that goes onto the bench if we get that missing piece? Probably, I, and I hate to say this, I would think maybe Bender. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I That's the thing, you, you add that, piece in and then you can you have some flexibility in depending on who you play you could start different personnel and again i think that's going to be the difference of us making the playoffs and not making the playoffs is having that depth having that flexibility when you have people that are out on international break um but i I do think that we're just missing kind of that component uh it's just someone again who could play the ball through the middle uh and and get you know, get Swiderski going or get Rios going. Uh, so they, you know, they get in good positions where they can get some good shots off. So continuing to look ahead, do you, I remember the, the club was pretty, I don't say adamant, but they remember, I remember them sharing early on in the season that really this first half of the season, they're making a roster to be competitive. They can stay competitive, be middle of the table, get some points early on. They're going to continue to build the roster and fill these pieces that are missing. Um, and I think you've seen that, right? You've seen um, Vargas come on now. You've seen Shinashiki come on. You've seen Camille um, all get added within the past, what, 90 days, 60 days mm-hmm. um, since since the, the season started, right? Do you think it's fair to say like now or even after that summer transfer window that this is the roster that you can judge the front office on? that if it's going to be successful or not, or do you think it's fair to kind of look at it, the whole picture? I am not sure what question you're ask, actually yeah. asking so, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, do you think it's fair to say like now is a starting point that you can rate the front office and the uh, scouting team on the roster that they've built at this point? Or do you have to be able to put the whole picture for the whole season and early on? Because like, you know, they, they said they were going to continue to build throughout the year. They're going to uh, add yeah, pieces yeah. Those kind of things. Do you think it's fair to say like now is the starting point that you can say is the grading point for the the front office and the roster they build? Or do you still hold that against them early on as an expansion team and early on bring in the players that they don't know if it's going to work out or not? I, I think you look at this in two separate halves, right? You you have to judge and look at preseason, getting players in into the summer and see if like – and, and assess who you have, you're going to have surprises like like a Brant Bronico that you didn't think was probably going to be your starter. You may have a player like TT who maybe hasn't quite come good yet. Um, and then you start adding players in. You know, you got to give those players time. Like Vargas, you got to give him some time to see if that's going to work. The same with Yozwiak. Um, And then you get, you pick up another play in the summer and then you look at the second half of the season. Uh, and you say, okay, um, we've we've done a good job, or we haven't done a good job. You know, I I think of a team like like Austin. Uh, they were not very good last year. 
and everybody was bagging on them, right? But look at them now. They made adjustments through the whole entire year, and in the summer, they signed some very, <laughs> very good players in the summer, uh, and now they're a whole different, whole different team. So I think you have to uh, assess your talent at you know different points of the season because you just don't know. You may think you know, and you know you're. Your scouting report may say this, but then when you get into this league, it could be a little different and you might see a different dynamic like, okay, hey, actually, I think we missed a little bit here. Now we got to go out and and do this. And I mean, you think about this, uh, we have a few players on loan that probably probably won't be here next year. So you have to fill those roles and you got to start thinking about that. So I think you look at it, you know, in in two different two different halves. Yeah, I I wonder if it's. For me, like, yeah, you can look at it this season, two different halves. But for me right now, I would say this is the starting point to this time next year is really what you're going to be able to grade the front office on the scouting, the players they sign, because you're going to have the remainder of this season to see what works and if they can get to the playoffs. Then you have their first off season, bringing on players, loans are going to end. And I do think that they bring on maybe two, three different players here and there. Like you said, like you have Franco that's on loan, TT that's on loan. Um, you're gonna have to inf- you're gonna have to fill those positions, right? Unless you offer offer to buy them, which I don't think is gonna happen. But I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me right now, like the grading point for me early in the season, great. Like if we have some success, fantastic, right? But at least from this point forward, because of the moves they brought on, and then at this point next year, if we're still in the same boat, then I think it's fair to kind of start to criticize and poke holes in the roster and the build, right? But I think kind of what you said, Austin FC have that first off season after they had that summer transfer window and they're coming into building sustainable success mm-hmm. two, three, four years down the road, which is what the team's always said. They want to have something that's long-term success, not just a splash in the splash in the pool and have this quick, you know, dissipation of, of success. Yeah. I mean, it's all a part of building culture and building a, a franchise and, and, you know, we want to be more like uh, Seattle in that regard. Right. Um, you don't want to be good one year and then absolute garbage the next and having to always move players around and make all these moves and everything like that. So I think Seattle is a good example of how to how to build a team over time that's sustainable. Awesome. So, Matt, I know you, you put in Slack earlier that we're going to be doing this show live. Uh, which, you know, we had some fun just a second ago <laughs> around, uh, you know, technology and Twitter and everything like that. But you asked for some questions and you asked some folks about just kind of like sharing, like, what do they what, what do they want us to talk about? Right. And as I'm pulling this up, um, love to get your thoughts on some of these questions from folks. And forgive me if I miss the name and who all asked the question. But one of the questions came up because, I, you know. I think Christian Fuchs impressed some folks early on in that press conference. And um, this is from Daniel Wicker, who shared, like, you know, with Fuchs Presser. And, at, you know, I think fairly recently he just got, I think, what, a B license and UEFA coaching license, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you foresee Fuchs potentially transitioning into an assistant coach or even a head coach role over the next few years um, in MLS or even with this team? Hmm. Yeah. Good question. I, you know, his contract runs out at the end of the year. Uh, I hope he stays on in place, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very clear that he, you know, wants to be a coach down the, down the road. Um, I don't know if it would be for this team. I, you know, I think his family resides in New York, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, 
I don't know, but I, I think it's something he's definitely working on, but I don't think it would be next year or anything like that. Um, if it, <clears throat> if he, if he decides this is his last year of playing, um, he would probably maybe move into some type of assistant type of role. Uh, but I don't know if it would be with this organization or not. Yeah, I, I hope, I mean, he's definitely sold me on being a leader and that kind of thing. And he's one of my favorite players on the team right now. So, oh, for sure. Um, like, you know, I, I hope he does stick around in some capacity and just, you know, even be an ambassador, whatever it is. So, um, which, I you know, I don't think he'll just sit back and be an ambassador. We'll see. But one of the things that stood out to me on the press conference is that, um, and we, I don't know if we touched on it, but uh, he actually brought some of his academy coaches to meet Christian Latanzio and just really about how impressed he was as a coach and a, and a manager and just being connecting with people and the players that he wants someone like that in his academy, which, you know, he has his own academy up, I think, what, in New York or somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, and he was just really impressed with him. So I, if that's another tall tale sign to say, you know, Christian may be the, the best guy for the job right now is that he's already got the captain's buy-in and as a, as a leader and a coach. So, yeah. Um, so this next question is from Jake Carpenter. So, and you may have touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, most important potential tactical tweak to get the result against Red Bulls? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. Um, again, I think it's going to come down to our our midfield. Uh, what are we going to be doing? Uh, I, we're going to have to play differently than we did in the Open Cup, uh, and also do everything was down our left side that whole entire game. I'm not entirely sure why that was the case, but um, I, again, I think the key is going to be. The middle of the field, I think being physical and winning the second ball um, is going to be paramount to whether we win this game or not. Um, I think that is where the tactical shift needs to change. We have to transition from the defensive third, getting the ball into the middle, but getting it quick, quickly, not just sitting on the ball, passing it sideways, like get the ball, make a move, go forward. And of course, if you don't have that, then you can go sideways and backwards. But we're just missing that piece of being aggressive and and going forward and trying to pick out that through ball. So, Kate, I apologize for this next question because I do not have to know how to pronounce your last name, which for folks who listen to the show is not a surprise to anybody. Shocker. Um, so, shocker. Hey, I'm, I'm saying Latanzio's name right. So That's I, very I'm true. starting to get Andre Shinashiki correct as well. So, you know, <laughs> you can teach a dog an, an old dog new tricks here and there. So um, so her, her question is around MLS season length. So do you feel as just a fan, do you think it's too long, not long enough, or just right in terms of games and, and spread across the year? Um, you know, uh, on crown corner earlier, I think Willie P answered this and I think he, I think he's listening now. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I agree, I agreed with, with what he said that, um, I'm okay with the length of games, you know, the amount of games, uh, the, I, I just wish we would honor the international breaks. <laughs> it, it sucks, yeah. you know, like we're going in Saturday and we're missing our, uh, our two designated players. That's, that's kind of silly. Um, I, I think they do that and set the schedule that way because unfortunately, and we're one of these teams, there's NFL. So, um, and also to, we've got to deal with the summer and we got to deal with baseball and, and, and all these other things that I think other countries really don't have to deal with. I absolutely hate it. Uh, and I wish we would shift and, and start honoring these international breaks. But so the amount of games I'm completely fine with, uh, 
at at some point they they're gonna have to make a cutoff on teams that they're allowing in. Uh, you know, you've got Nashville that's in the Western Conference. I think they're moving back to the Eastern Conference. So there's gonna be some shifting around. Um, but yeah, I just wish they would honor the the breaks. Everybody else yeah. does. <laughs> Yeah, I think MLS is it's a victim of its own growth a little bit when it comes to that, because I think, you know, at least with other other leagues, soccer is typically the most important um, sport or key driver for advertising and TV in those different countries. Right. And if you look at MLS here in the United States, it's no secret. MLS has a television rights (laughs) issue um, coming up here pretty soon um, just from broadcast deals and. You know, they have to compete against the NFL. NFL is king no matter what. No matter what you say, NFL is going to be king when it comes to TV. And it would be stupid for MLS to have games on a Saturday or Sunday against college football in the South and NFL on Sundays. And there's no way they're going to try to compete against that because, I mean, I will go to Charlotte FC games over Panther games currently right now because the Panthers aren't really, really that great. (laughs) Uh, But um, like I, I can tell you right now, there's no way in hell that fans in Charlotte would choose Charlotte FC on a Saturday over Clemson or, you know, whoever NC state football or a Panther game on a Sunday, they won't choose Charlotte FC for that. So I think you see that towards the end of our season a little bit, but um, as much as I would love for it to honor that, I think that's the reason why, but yeah. I mean, it would be great if I can actually watch a game during the winter and fall and spring versus being in bank of America stadium in July, sweating galore <laughs> and just roasting in the sun. So um, I'm all about that if there's a way to do that. So, um, so that's really all the questions I've got right now, Matt. So, um, anything else you want to tack on? So I know we've got some stuff going on this weekend, um, heading into the tailgate and heading into Red Bulls. I know you won't be there. I'll be sure to take copious notes for you on your pin pad in the supporter section, but anything that you want to plug heading into the weekend for the tailgate March pregame activities? Um, I don't think so. It, just a reminder, you know, it, it's, it's pride month. So we do have our, uh, pride scarves or mint city pride scarves and our mint city, uh, sunglasses. All the proceeds go to timeout youth. Um, uh, and I think we, we were out of our scarves, but I think we got some in. Is that correct? So I think we're yeah, yeah, we just got them in this week. Yeah. Just got them in this week. So I believe we should have them hopefully by this weekend. Um, and I know Chris and Jeff have worked hard behind the scenes, but we're actually going to have a new scarf at the tailgate mm. uh, this weekend. And we're not putting on the site yet because we want to sell it at the lot first. Mm. And we know fans like to trade scarves with other supporters, fans that travel. Um, they want to trade, give away, et cetera. And we've also heard feedback that fans want a affordable option. Um, so these scarves are going to be $10 um, to be able to trade. So we've got a ton of them. So be sure you swing by the merch kit merch tent uh, this weekend, pick up a pride scarf, which the proceeds go to timeout youth and even pick up the new scarf that we're going to have. That's pretty affordable. Um, I don't even have my hands on it. I know you can see behind me now, Matt, the, the scarf wall that I have, but I don't have that scarf yet either. So um, either. be sure you check us out there. So um, I, I will share too, just another benefit just for being a member of Ferment City Collective is, um, is our tailgates and our pregame stuff. And Chris does a fantastic job behind the scenes. Um, and one of this weekend benefits is that the uh, food is actually free this weekend if you're a member. So um, we've got, um, I think, some brats and sausages being donated from um, New Belgium. So there's some different flavors there. Man in the grill and cooking those things. Um, so for members, it's free. And I believe for non-members, I think it's only like two bucks. 
two yeah. or four dollars. So yep. um, great deal to get some food before the game. I know it's an earlier earlier game, so we'll be out the lot around ten thirty or so or eleven, um, and pre gaming until we march to the stadium and kickoffs at three o'clock. So um, from what I've heard, we've got some pretty cool stuff behind the scenes um, for this TFO um, this week. So be sure to keep, keep an eye out. Um, pretty early on and then even maybe in the middle of the game or halftime we'll see we'll see mm. what that looks like so um little 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 tease there for a second so we'll see if, what that looks like for for fans to be in the stadium so be on the lookout um but sweet matt anything else you want to share about new york or around this week i think i'm i think i'm good it's good to good to finally have a game i know right so Again, just for fans that are disappointed, Matt Swift will not be wearing a kit this weekend as he's celebrating his one-year-old's birthday and has a matching outfit. So be sure to check out <laughs> socials and we'll, we'll make sure we get a nice little photo made of Matt and his honeybee outfit. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to see what that looks like. So congratulations, Matt. I know it's been a it's been a year. I can't believe it's already been a year because I remember yeah. you guys had the little guy. So um, I know you you and your wife are super excited to celebrate that. So for sure, um, maybe if we win, that means you can't ever come to a game again. So just, you know, superstition. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you could just give the tickets away from next time. So, um, but on that note, Matt, I mean, as always, it's always fun. Thanks again, fans for listening to us live, bearing with us for that little technical glitch for a second. But, um, you know, we'll have this episode hopefully out on the podcast stream here soon um, and have a great Wednesday night and the rest of the week. And I'll see everyone on Saturday. See you guys. Bye.